Hello. Greetings. Thanks for your interest in spiritual matters. My name is Ethan and I work with the Venice Church of Christ and we're disciples making disciples on the west side of Los Angeles. If you know a little bit about Christianity or even about Judaism, you understand that the Bible is really the great text of these religions. Almost everyone actually owns a copy of the Bible. You probably have one somewhere, somehow. And even if you didn't right now, you could right now go on your phone or tablet or computer and download a free Bible, uh, either in an app or in a program, uh, like Life Church's Bible or eSword or things of that nature. It remains a continual bestseller, to the point that they're not even listing the Bible when they talk about bestsellers because, well, if the Bible were listed, other books wouldn't stand a chance. The Bible is always consistently ahead of the rest. A lot of people also know, maybe you do as well, that Christianity is very highly influenced and dependent upon the Bible. The Bible is where we learn about Jesus. Unfortunately, a lot of times people think the Bible says things about Jesus it doesn't actually say. And there's a lot of things Jesus said that they're not aware of, but there are lots of times where you know, people have an idea, you know, Jesus said that you should love your enemies, and that's something that's certainly there in Matthew 5, and things of that nature, where, yeah, people know some of the sayings and doings of Jesus. And above all things, people expect Christians to know something about the Bible, and to be following things that are said in the Bible. I understand that's what it means to f be a Christian. But even within Christendom, uh, let alone the world, there's a lot of... Uh, lack of clarity, a lot of confusion about what the Bible is really about. And so let's spend some time exploring the message of the Bible. What is the Bible really all about? So what are some of the things that you can think of that people think the Bible is all about? How would you describe the Bible? There's some people who kind of hold it up and really make a lot out of that adjective attached to it, Holy Bible, and they make it like a talisman. Uh, view upheld a lot of times in culture. You know, when you think about it, you swear uh, in a court, or if you swear as a politician to be installed into Congress or, or the presidency, you swear on a Bible. The idea that if you put your hand on a Bible, you are kind of swearing an oath based on its contents. Uh, you see movies about exorcisms. People hold up a crucifix, also hold up a Bible, as if the Bible itself has this kind of holiness that it can, can transmit just with its pages and a lot of times Bibles are set in nice leather grain they're kind of sometimes really thick big Bibles uh, kind of set aside and they kind of have that kind of holy aura and so holy Bible is taken quite seriously by such people and in Judaism this reverence is taken to extreme levels that if the Torah scroll would hit the ground the people would fast for a month uh, in mourning and in lamentation about that kind of experience and as a result, some people feel that the text of the Bible is so high and holy, and they see themselves as so lowly and defiled, that they can't come to any understanding of what the Bible says. Its message is too lofty and too high for them. On the other hand, well, some people make it seem very holy. Other people want to intentionally try to desecrate it, uh, to think that it's uh, uh, just Iron Age mythology and its stories and narratives are considered fatuous or too fabulous to believe. They reject Jesus, they can't find as many bad things to say about him, though, that they will about uh, the Old Testament and all the things that go on within it. Some of the people who believe this become scholars and advance their prejudice under the cloak of quote-unquote serious scholarship and criticism, and we need to be careful about that. A lot of people approach the Bible as a book of aphorisms, kind of a wisdom-for-the-moment thing, 
various quotes to use at the right time. Something like the book of Proverbs, where just various texts of good ideas, things you can chew on and move on in life. A lot of people will think, well, I'll just open the Bible in a situation. I got something going on. I'm going to open the Bible. God's going to direct the book to where it needs to go. I'm going to put my finger on the verse, and that's the verse. That'll tell me what I need to do. You might think that's kind of silly. Uh, some people swear by that. But it's not just something that uh, those in folk religion or out in the hills are doing. Uh, a lot of preachers and treat teachers treat the Bible the same way. A place to mind citation or quotations to justify whatever doctrines or ideas they've already established in advance. The terrifying thing about this is, is that you can find a quote in the Bible to justify just about anything. And people have justified just about anything using Bible quotations. A lot of people look at the Bible as a self-help manual. And it makes sense, because in our culture, a lot of people look at life as kind of becoming the best I can be. And the self-help model is so strong, and, and a lot of people own self-help books and swear by self-help books. And so it's easy to kind of throw the Bible into that trend. And in fact, for a lot of people, the Bible is the ultimate self-help manual, providing the means by which we can really improve our character and our personality if we just put enough effort into it. And any profession can find something similar in the Bible. Marketing and advertising gurus look for wisdom about promotions and sales uh, there in the Bible. Uh, the whole leadership cult loves to talk about servant leadership and Jesus and the apostles as models. If there's some movie out or popular story out, somebody's trying to find the gospel in it. The gospel according to Harry Potter, the gospel according to Star Wars, the gospel according to Lord of the Rings, so on and so forth. And that's not even beginning to discuss how the Bible is appropriated to justify, advance, or condemn various political or social agendas. So this is the way that some Christians, a lot of people in the world look at it, but especially Christians, as they've been trying to think, how do I tell people about the Bible? have a lot of well-meaning, well-intended ways of looking at the Bible that they try to communicate to other people. Like a love letter from God, or an instruction manual to life. It's a map or a guide to life as well. Of course, very famous uh, staying you can find on bumper stickers or on bulletin boards. Jesus is the answer. Um, so what are we going to say about these things? Are any of these really what the Bible is about? What's the Bible about? Well, we can find in the Bible itself a very short statement in Hebrews chapter 1 that really helps us understand what the Bible is about. The Hebrew authors begin by saying, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. The Bible is the record of God speaking to people. The Hebrews author talks about how God first spoke to the fathers in the prophets, that is, the Old Testament, and now he has spoken to us through his Son. In fact, the Apostle Peter will put the entire message dependent upon this very idea. In 2 Peter 1 and 21, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And if you notice over and over again in the Old Testament, this is the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh. Yahweh said, that everybody emphasized, this has come from God. This kind of opens us up to some questions. What has God communicated to his people? And by the way, who are those people, right? Well, if you open the Bible and you begin reading, you learn pretty quickly, this is not like any instruction manual you've ever read. It's not like any self-help guide you've ever read. It's a very strange map. 
Because the Bible begins at the beginning of creation. It focuses on all mankind for a few generations. Before it focuses on the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's descendants. Not long after that, we read about all kinds of laws, many of which seem very obscure and remote, and things that no one seriously suggests we should be doing today. Then there's more history about those descendants of Jacob we call Israel. And then there's the wisdom literature we speak about, like Psalms and Proverbs, story of Job, things like that. And then there's a whole section of prophets. And a lot of these statements of times seem straightforward. A lot of them are bizarre. But almost all of them on their own seem very hard to figure out. Then you finally get to what we call the New Testament. And it begins with four ways of talking about Jesus' life and death, three of which sound very uh, consistent with each other. Then it tells about the early church. Then a bunch of letters written by the apostles to churches or individuals. And if you think you've got a handle on all that, then you get to Revelation. And that's really crazy, right? And so, yeah, the Bible is God's communication, sure. But what it really is, it's ultimately the story of God's interactions with his people. Yes, God spoke to the fathers, to the prophets, but and now through Jesus. But why? What's he trying to say? What does he want out of all of this? It's interesting to hear that word prophets. It's very interesting because he spoke through Moses. And from Moses, we believe traditionally we get all of the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And the former prophets, called the historical prophets, are the ones who are inspired to set forth the story of what happened in Israel uh, until the days of the exile. Uh, especially the stories of people's faithfulness or lack thereof. And it's no history like we would write. When we'd write a history, we want to look at the social political situation, talk a lot about the rulers in terms of their economic and social policies, whereas in, 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 in the history of the Old Testament, it's all about their relationship with God. It's all about whether they serve God or not. And that's from Genesis through Second Kings. God speaks through David and Solomon and other authors to give a voice to the people of God to pray and sing to him, to establish good wisdom, but also limitations of the wisdom of that age, to celebrate erotic love in Job through Song of Solomon. Then there's the latter prophets, both what we call major and minor, based on the quantity of information they've put out, uh, providing specific messages to Israelites at very times in history, warning about judgments to come, but promising there's going to be this hope, this future restoration at a, at a different time in Isaiah through Malachi. And in Christ Jesus, God speaks uh, through the apostles and their associates to set forth the story of what Jesus did in his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his lordship, how the gospel is first proclaimed and spread, embodied first in Peter and then in Paul, then dealing with specific circumstances and situations in churches, and how Christians ought to live in ways that would glorify God. Uh, and finally, a vision of encouragement uh, for Christians to persevere despite trials to come, and a description of the hope that we have to share in forever in Matthew through Revelation. So if we can see there, the message of the Bible is a story of how God has interacted with the world. So let's go back to some of those conceptions that we talked about earlier, the way people look at the Bible, and compare it to what we actually can see in its pages. Now, a lot of these ideas are rooted in certain truths in the Bible. There are certain things that are true in the Bible, but they don't really do great service to the whole message. So yes, God is holy, and the substance of the message of the Bible is holy. But the book itself does not have what we call talismanic value. If accidentally a Bible gets ripped in two, God's message is not defiled. And unfortunately, people have drawn the wrong conclusion about the power of the Bible's message. 
because God did not communicate the message of the Bible to be set up lofty on high over here, understood only by a select few. No, the Bible was communicated to people. God spoke to the prophets, and the prophets spoke to people in ways that they would understand. They spoke in the common languages of Israel in the days of the kings, in the days of the exile, in the days of uh, the Romans. So everyone could understand the message. God wants the message to be understood so the message can transform your life. This desire we see so frequently in our culture to see a secret code in scripture, a Bible code, to understand hidden messages in its pages, it's sexy, people love it, but it's Gnosticism in the end. It's a search for secret wisdom. When God has made known the things that he wants to make known, he wouldn't put it in code, he came out and said it. The Bible's not a mere myth. It's a multi-layered, complicated narrative, on the other hand, providing constant refresher and edification. You can understand the basic message of the scriptures, and I don't want to deny that. On the other hand, you can keep coming back over and over again and be constantly impressed and, and overwhelmed at the power of how it connects and the layers in it and, and all the associations within its pages, and to see that uh, this was not just the work of a few cute uh, random strangers in the Iron Age. No, this is something much more powerful going on in its pages. The end is as the beginning. Jesus is the fulfillment of the hope of Israel. And the story is pervaded with all kinds of themes, pervaded, excuse me, with all kinds of themes that you can see working out to the end. Yes, the Old Testament has a lot of difficult portrayals in it, but you can't just so easily separate out old and new, because the trends that exist in the one that people like to think is in the other are actually there. God shows great love and grace for Israel and those who turn to him in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, Jesus warns more about hell than anybody else and the danger of impending judgment. God spoke to specific people at specific times. And there was a coherent message there. So, a Trying to understand the Bible requires us to understand what's going on when he spoke that message at that time and understand it first in its context. It, a lot of times you can take a verse of scripture, uh, God is love. You can decontextualize that. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You can decontextualize that and it still has power and still has meaning and it's not inconsistent with God's purposes. But too much violence has been done to the Bible and to Christianity by irresponsible use of its message, contrary to the goal of 2 Timothy 2.15, that we're diligent to present ourselves as workmen who do not have need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And that irresponsibility is often fueled by taking various bits of scripture and taking them out of their context, out of their meaning, to justify things which make little to no sense in light of its original context. Hey, if the way we're using a text would make no sense to the people who originally heard it, we're probably not handling that message rightly. Look, God would look, have us be holy people. 1 Peter 1, 15-16, Be holy as I am holy, going back to Leviticus. But the Bible is not a self-help manual in the traditional sense of that term. Because a lot of time, people come to the Bible to justify and demonstrate the validity of their pet project, as opposed to allowing what God has made known in the Bible to inform whatever they do. And so, yeah, sure, there's a lot of, in the Bible about being holy and righteous and good, but it's not a self-help manual, because it's not really ultimately about making you feel better about yourself, but for you to learn what God has done and is doing, and how you can work with and in God to accomplish his purposes. You can see where there may be convergences of that, but if you come to the Bible just trying to make yourself a better person, you're not going to get what God wants you to get out of it. 
And if anything, the Bible is working against the main pillars of the self-help movement. Because the core message of the Bible is, no, you're not good enough by yourself. You sinned. You did bad things. You're corrupted by sin. There's nothing you can do about it. God saved you by sheer grace and mercy and love displayed through Jesus, his son. And we can see that very vividly expressed in Ephesians 1 through 3. And if you're going to be righteous, it's not going to mean everybody's going to love you and things are going to go well for you necessarily. It often means hostilities. We can see in 1 Peter 4 uh, that you do good and people hate you for it. These things are, that self-help manuals are not going to prepare you for that. Uh, but the Bible can when you allow the Bible to, di un, to uh, direct you in the way God would have you to go. And quite honestly, that same critique is there for all agendas that would use the Bible to demonstrate or advance what they're trying to do uh, when really th whatever they're trying to do should be informed by what the Bible says. Uh, you can see this especially in politics. You can see this in the business environment and in many other places. Now, looking at some of those Christian ways the text is looking at, yes, God is love in 1 John 4. And as it said in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? But saying the Bible is God's love letter to us is a bit strong, diminishes the power of the story of God's working with and through his people. Yes, the Bible has instruction and exhortation for life. It's profitable to those ends, 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. But... If you have problems with your Apple product and you go to the Apple manual and you begin and the Apple manual begins by talking about when humans began to communicate and provides a general history of communication through the various ways of cuneiform and using papyrus and then paper, the printing press. Uh, you then learn about the founding of Apple. You then see how Apple went through a period of difficulty and then the redemption it found in its former owner and the greatness of the products. If you read songs extolling the benefits of Apple products, wisdom about how you use computers, uh, maybe even a love story between two people who use Apple computers, you would be very confused. Whoever wrote that instruction manual will probably have a job because all you're looking to do is figure out what's wrong with your computer or your tablet and how to fix it. Now, you open the Bible, there's lots of times you can look and see wisdom for life in various places. But it's not a mere instruction manual. Now, of all the popular images, the Bible as a guide or map is perhaps closest to the mark. But it still falls a little short, because the guide has more to say about the exploits of the past than about practicalism for the present. It proves insufficient for the task to, to be a, a full map. And so we need to cast aside a lot of these popular understandings and seek after the understanding the Bible has given of itself. This is God's communication of his message to his people, how he has worked with and through his people throughout time, the story of God's redemption of mankind. So, that's what the Bible is about. It's God's communication to man, first through the prophets, then in Christ. What is that story? That in the beginning God, one in relational unity, created all things as good and made man in his image, in Genesis 1 and 2. God's good creation was corrupted by the introduction of sin and death. Depravity spread among mankind until he was alienated from God and one another, in Genesis 3 through 11. Then God chose one man who would prove faithful to him that he could begin redeeming mankind. That one man, Abraham, was promised a nation, a land, and to be a blessing to all the nations. Genesis 11-25. through 25. The promised nation and land will be given through Abraham's grandson, Jacob, Israel. 
and his children. They will be delivered from slavery. They will persist in sin, but yet be given the covenant, the law, and the land of Canaan. In Genesis 25 through Joshua. God will be ruler over Israel and would bless them, but they would persistently rebel. God would give them judges and then kings, and they would continue to rebel. And so God had to judge them strongly and exile them in Judges through Second Chronicles. But God extended hope through the prophets for restoration, first manifest in the return to Israel, and then ultimately through the Christ, Second Chronicles 36 through Malachi chapter 4. God would become flesh and dwelt among mankind as Jesus, and he would embody the story of Israel, fulfilling all that had been written of him, serving, suffering, dying for sin, and being raised on the third day in Matthew through John. Jesus' disciples were then commissioned to t spread the good news of what God had accomplished in Jesus, first to Israel alone and then to all the people of the world. Jesus killed the hostility between Jews and people of all the nations on the cross. And in the church, all can become one man in Jesus. All can become part of Christ in the church, the manifestation of Christ's kingdom on earth in Acts through Jude. Jesus remains Lord until this time and will be Lord until he returns. We all can participate in God's work in the world and we know the Lord will return one day and we will all share in the resurrection of life and be with God forever if we are found faithful in him. Ephesians 3, 10, 11 in the book of Revelation. So yes, God has made known his will for mankind, for Israel and Christ in the Bible. We do well, therefore, to submit to God's purposes in Christ, to be saved and to obtain the resurrection of life. Again, we're glad that you've joined us. If you found benefit in this, we encourage you to share it with your friends and family and others on social media. If we can be of service, you'd like to learn more about the Bible, you'd like to have a prayer request, maybe you'd like to study more, maybe you'd like to come check us out. If there's any way we can be of service, you can find us online at VenetChurchOfChrist.org. We're also on various forms of social media. And if I can be of any service to you, you can reach me through my website at DeverboVitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. We hope and pray that you be blessed in the Lord, and he will help you grow in your knowledge and understanding of him, and to put your trust in him. And we pray that you have a great day.